Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, as parents, it is normal to have some stressful thoughts. We might be in conflict with our child and think, he's not listening to me, or she's so spoiled, or he's sucking the life out of me. But what if we turned these statements on their ear to evaluate their truth, but also look inward to see what the actual truth might be? We have the greatest of intentions, and of course, we love our children, but it is often that we live in the moment, the moment of running from here to there, picking up, dropping off, cooking, cleaning, helping, orchestrating, planning, and getting frustrated and angry and upset when life's little irritating moments get in our way, our children fighting with us, fighting with each other, not going along with what we deem the flow. And I get it. As a mother, I am there with you and get this frustration deeply. Today, let's look into self-inquiry so that we can learn to prepare for the long haul rather than the fleeting moment, connection rather than disagreement, and love rather than fear. I'll be going on this journey with you as I am hanging out in the same boat, needing to learn and practice the same lessons and gain the same insights from our next guest who is ready to help us. Catherine Weiss is the author of a radically different parenting book for mothers, currently five stars on Amazon called The Present Mother, How to Deepen Your Connection with the Present Moment, Yourself, and Your Child. The New York Times bestselling author of The Conscious Parent, Dr. Shafali Saberi wrote the foreword to The Present Mother, and in it says, any parent who reads and practices the insights in this book will not only heal their own wounds from childhood, they will change things for their offspring for all generations to come. Catherine's readers call The Present Mother the parenting book and that it takes conscious parenting to the next level. Now, while it is called The Present Mother, it definitely applies to all parents and especially the key adults in a child's life. So I am so thrilled to have you on the show. So welcome, Catherine, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you so much, Robin. I'm thrilled to be here with you and all of your guests. It's my honor. Well, I'm thrilled to have you as, uh, here as well. And before we get into the thick of things, for those who haven't yet read your book or heard you speak, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and what got you so focused on being present as a mother? Uh, well, as a new mother, I thought I was doing okay in the beginning, um, other than a a few minor bumps, I'll call it, compared to how it actually came out. Because mm. once my toddler started doing things that were uh, causing a lot of stress in me, I completely lost my lid. And I had no idea where that was coming from. I had such shock and disbelief at the words that came out of my mouth. And I'd never treated another human being like that in my whole life. So I was determined to get to the bottom of it. Because like you and everyone listening, they love their children or the children they're taking care of, and they don't want to speak to them in unkind ways. So I just started a quest and um, read so many parenting books, kept looking, looking, looking for all the answers, and um, really didn't find any that helped me with my specific situations of getting angry in those very stressful moments until I started looking within. So the parenting books led me to, inevitably, some psychology books and some self-improvement books and some personal development books, two of which were very prominent in my life. One is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, and two was the work of Byron Katie in her book, Loving What Is. And I realized that Eckhart Tolle in his book was showing me 
what I wanted to do, which was be present. And Byron Katie in her book was showing me how to do that through self-inquiry. Mm, mm, really interesting work. And, you know, so often we're, we're focused on conversations in this in, in, in this podcast, but your work really focuses inward and what's going on inside our heads. I know in the forward yeah. of your book, which is written by Dr. Shafale Sabery, it throws us into this sort of specific kind of awakening right away. It doesn't beat around the bush yeah. when it asks us to look at how we were parented, um, yeah. how that influenced us, if we felt that we were truly being seen and heard and nurtured to become our very selves. And it starts off with... We're on the brink of a new consciousness in parenting, a shift from imagining our children are in need of being fixed by us, or at the very least molded, to realizing that the behavior issues we are increasingly seeing in young people ought to be a wake-up call to us as parents to face up to our own failure, to grow up in terms of how we parent. Okay. So we're we're calling on parents to do something here. So what would you say is the sort of failure we need to face to actually, and, 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 and how does this sort of inform how we should be parenting our children? Like what, mm -hmm. what is the awakening and like how, how it can all of this stuff that we kind of come up with on a, on a more general scale, how we should be parenting our children? Yeah, great question. Um, to me, the, the shift, the call is to, if you look at history and parenting, we've always focused on the child. You know, what's the right thing to do for the mm. child? You know, focusing outward, outward. And um, do this, don't do that. Say this, don't say that. And um, parents are so, um, I don't know about you, but I'm just, before I realized all this, so worried that I'm going to say the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, so sure. worried, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, so worried that I'm going to screw them up for their whole life. Um, oh, Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and, you, and we all put so much pressure on ourselves to do it right, to say it right, according to the external um, and the external world of advice, I'll, I'll say, about how to raise children. So what Dr. Shafali is saying and what I'm saying is flip the mirror inward. Mm -hmm. Look mm -hmm. at yourself. And when we do that, it totally changes everything. We stop focusing so much on what to say outward. Who's telling me to say what? We our our focus completely turns inward, and we're we just are woken up to a whole new world. Mm. I'll just say that. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and, and something you never realized before. Yeah, the work is really mm. interesting, and you know, throughout your book, and in the beginning of your book, you you talk about something that I think many of us have experienced as parents. You sometimes you wrote I would have a sudden surprising negative reaction. You mentioned this before. So something one of my children did. These mm -hmm. reactions were not congruent with my love for them, nor my intentions for the kind of mother I wanted to be. Then I, I would note the guilt in me about my reactions. My body yes. was present, but my mind and my spirit definitely were not. And right. this was the catalyst for you to start a self-inquiry <laughs> process. So how do we... And this this is really the crux of your book, but how do we use self-inquiry and how can it help the parent, the family, the key adults, especially in the moments when we feel disconnected, guilty, worried, angry about something going on with our children? Right. Well, it's not a quick fix. It's definitely a practice. You know, like when you go to the gym and you're working out your muscles and you're making progress, you know, the split second that you're there and you're lifting a weight that you're immediately putting into action a positive chain of events. Well, it's the same thing with self-inquiry. It is literally like uh, the gym for your brain mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because you're working muscles, which are really neural pathways in your brain. You're working them and um, these neural pathways have never been worked before. Maybe they're brand new baby neural pathways. So self-inquiry is a practice. And that's why there are 40 worksheets, self-inquiry worksheets in the book, because I invite you to do those, the reader, every single morning and um, literally like either meditating or working out every day. So once you begin the practice and you start to realize the changes within you happening without you even trying to make changes, you're literally just answering questions on a worksheet. Um, 
those changes start to take place and you begin to notice in your life how you're more and more present. And it's similar with working out of the gym. You start to notice, wow, you're strong. You picked up that really heavy bag of groceries today or without any flinching at all. And same with being present. You, you just, it dawns on you that you're more present. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, then when you are more present, you end up speaking the words that are the perfect thing to say with the people that you're with, no matter if it's your child or, you know, anybody could be the grocery clerk, could be your spouse, could be um, your teammate, anybody, because you've practiced the self-inquiry process enough to where now the neural pathways in your brain have recalibrated, I'll say, to that which is appearing in the present moment. Mm-hmm. You're no longer bound with your past stories about how it should be or what people are supposed to say or do. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. We were speaking with Jessica Alexander, who wrote Parenting the Danish Way, one of the experts that was on not too long ago. And she talks about, you know, this idea of how much influence we have from our past, like the way that we're parented, you know, we were parented, that we're like hardwired in this way. And then you've got to do the work. Um, and so yep. I feel like your book is like, okay, let's do the work then. So let's dive in. <laughs> let's do an example of saying self-inquiry so that people understand it and the kind that sort of flips our immediate reaction and stressful statement around so that we can kind of gain perspective and yeah. become more present so in your yeah. book I mean we could use anything but in your book I'll give in you know this example that you you use this situation when your your son rode away on his bike without his helmet classic while you were telling him to put it on and you stated to yourself Aiden doesn't listen to me and I think this yeah. is a familiar gripe of many adults yes. that it it seems like a child isn't listening in class at home while playing a video game while on the phone while doodling on a piece of paper not looking at you looking out the window right. and, and or talking over you so so let's live here for a moment in this sort of self-inquiry um you state a system of writing this overarching thought down and doing a self-inquiry to validate how true the statement is while contrasting it with some closely related or opposite thoughts so if we can whether it's that example or another, let's go through the process so we understand how to reflect and look inward and change the conversation in our own mind. Yeah, yeah. That's where it starts and that's where it'll end, as we'll find. Um, okay, so in our own mind, as our child is doing X that we uh, are trying to get them to stop doing and listen to us, um, and use your child's name or the the person you're taking care of or your spouse if you want hmm. Aiden or your name of your person should listen to me so the first thing you do is you remember the exact situation where you thought that thought okay so my situation was when my son was riding away on his bike so for you for the listeners pick a situation in your life where you remember thinking the thought this person should be listening to me okay so once you get that thought in your mind, see it as a snapshot in time and don't move from that snapshot because the mind wants to niggle off that snapshot so it can't be pinned down. So you need to pin down the moment, okay? Once you have that snapshot, you ask yourself, is it true that Aiden should listen to me in that moment? So my answer in my book was, yes, you should listen to me. You should put his dang helmet on right now <laughs> and stop his bike. <laughs> uh, so then you, you double check yourself. Can you absolutely know it's true that Aiden should listen to me? Well, I guess if I'm a human and I'm not the universal power of the universe, <laughs> I can't know for sure, absolutely, that they should stop. So that was my answer, I think, in my book. But um some of your listeners and you might say, well, absolutely, I should definitely listen to me. Um, so it doesn't matter what your answer is to those first two questions, either yes or no. No judgment about the answer. Then the third question, how do you react or how did you react in that moment when you believe the thought that they should listen to you? Hmm. So how I reacted was I felt judgmental. My voice got louder. Mm -hmm. I started getting angry. 
I started saying and doing things that I didn't want to say and do with my child. Okay, things that I would be embarrassed about if someone were listening mm, to me. I feel that way so often. <laughs> yeah, and then you, we can question all that stuff too. Like it matters what other people think about our parenting. That's a whole nother self inquiry worksheet, mm-hmm. which is a great one. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that next time. But um, in that moment, with your person, you're questioning the thought about how did you react? Okay. And then the next question is, who would you be without the thought that they should be listening to you in that same moment? Well, in my example with my son, I would be calmer. I would be noticing the actual present moment, which was there was no cars around. We live in a very small neighborhood. We had just moved to the neighborhood and I was not familiar with the traffic pattern. So I was naive about what could happen. I didn't have enough information. Um, so I would have noticed all these things and been aware of all these things. My son is, um, I can't remember how old he, old he was at the time, but he's a great bike rider. He's super aware of things, very um, conscious of his safety. He's almost like too conscious of his safety. So you see how all this new information is mm-hmm. coming in? If I don't believe this thought that he should listen to me. And same with any situation, no matter the person, no matter the situation, if we're so focused on a stressful thought, we cannot see literally our awareness is blocked from all the rest of the information in our reality. It's like tunnel vision. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yes. So next question, looking at that same situation with the same thought, they should listen to me, look at it from all these new perspectives. So one of the perspectives is your son's or daughter's or other person's perspective. Another perspective is the opposite. Another perspective is maybe from a universal perspective. So pull yourself out of your humanness and put yourself into your beingness because we are both human and being. So these are all different perspectives you can look at your situation from if you're mindful enough and stay with the questions and stay writing them down. Um, so in the worksheet, the turnarounds is what Byron Katie calls them. I call them restructuring your thoughts because that's literally what's happening happening scientifically in your brain. So your neural pathways are getting restructured with one way to turn it around is he should not be listening to me. In your situation and in your listener situations, turn your statement around to the exact opposite. Mm. So they should not be listening to me. <clears throat> so then you really meditate on that and you're quiet. And you, you really just notice what bubbles up when you consider that and see in your mind's eye if there's any examples within you that pop up that make that statement as true or truer than your original one that they should be listening. Now, this feels maybe a little confusing the way I'm talking about it, but on the worksheet it's very clear. Mm-hmm. You just literally write the opposite down, and then you list writing them down, three examples of how that opposite statement could be as true or even truer than your original one. Is that in any circumstance or is that in this present circumstance? It is in any circumstance, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. And I know that's a leap for a lot of people Mm -hmm. uh, because you've got some situations that seem to be dire, you know, life-threatening. And, um, I'm not even going to go there right now because mm-hmm. that's another conversation too. We are simply talking about everyday moments with mm-hmm. children sure. in my book. Okay, I'm not a therapist, right. so there's a lot of therapy type of things that can get if you go really deep into this. It gets very into therapy. Mm-hmm. So let's stick with this example and with with one hopefully that you and your audience has. That's you know pretty everyday situation yeah. with your child. So um, he should not be listening to me because he was focused on his friend in my situation who was talking to him mm-hmm. as he, w- he was saying, come across the street. You know, we're going over here to this friend's house. So he was focused on that. And if I was nine and I had a nine-year-old buddy talking to me, I would definitely listen to him over my mom screaming at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I can say for sure that is the reason why he should not be listening to me at that moment. Mm-hmm. So this is not a moral Um, turnaround okay it's not a moralistic thing like children shouldn't listen to you like as a belief that's not what this is about this is about just internal looking at your own thoughts and seeing in reality why they shouldn't be listening to you in reality why shouldn't they because xyz is happening you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely 
You have like a yes. wider lens. Wider lens, and you don't want to take it to the extreme moral issue. Mm-hmm. Like, he, children should always listen to you. Someone might truly believe that mm-hmm. when a parent speaks. Well, this isn't about addressing that as an argument, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. my opinion that that children shouldn't listen to you. It's in my son's situation. Mm-hmm. He sh- shouldn't. Different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the other perspective could be, um, I should listen to my son. So let's flip it that way. So in my bike example, I should listen to my son. Well, if I was listening to my son, and you could, that listening could be a symbol symbolism for being aware of my son. I should listen to my son. I should be aware of my son. And then my examples for that are what I mentioned earlier. He knows how to ride a bike. He's super safe. He's super worried about his own safety. You know, that's my way of being in tune with my son is knowing where he's coming from, right, from mm-hmm. his perspective. Um, and then the other turnarounds in any situation, including the ones that you and your audience might be considering now, is I should listen to myself. Mm-hmm. Now, that really makes a light bulb go off in my brain when I do that one. Oh, in my situation, I should listen to myself because listen to my voice. It sounds so unlike me. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I should mm. listen to myself. Wow. Mm. You know, then you go, oh, my gosh. You go into self-reflection and <clears throat> considering whether you want to sound that way or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I should also listen to myself because in my wisdom, and this really gets us in touch with our own adult wisdom, like we cannot get in touch with if we're believing a stressful thought. My own wisdom tells me, oh, next time I should have a chat with my son before he gets on the bike, mm. not as he's riding off. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I should talk with him before and say, now look, buddy, the traffic here, I don't really know what's going on, but I do see some cars. You know, I might have an intelligent, wise, planning kind of conversation with my son before he gets on his bike. Mm. And I might listen to him and say, look, mom, I'm totally safe. I'm so worried about my own safety. There's no cars been here for 45 minutes. I've been sitting here playing with rocks and I saw that, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, you might plan ahead. You're right. still a leader in your child's life, right? This is not about giving up leadership. Right, right. So yeah, by oh. the end of the inquiry session, you've looked at a bunch of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so in your example and in your audience's example, I hope they've gotten some light bulbs. Right, right. I went fast through it. Um, It's a very meditative process. So when you do it, you get so many insights when you just go slow. Yeah, it's challenging, but you have to go slow. The answers might not come to you, you know, so easily. But I think what you've done here is is provided some some ideas of how you went through the process so that you could come up with some answers that were challenging and uh, and and reflecting on those you know does give a different perspective and as you were saying it's not a matter of just being like well I'm not going to care about my son's safety and I don't care if he has a helmet on that's not the answer it's mm-hmm. it's it's about that moment and the timing and then really parenting for the long haul as you were talking about in your book where you are able to have conversations outside of that moment not about feeling so angry not about you know feeling disrespected in that moment but rather the actual crux of the issue of you know i'd really love it if you wore a helmet <laughs> Um, and do it for time. my fear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make me feel better about myself. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so many parents who are listening and key adults who are listening have admitted to me, I am sure to you, when their children aren't happy, ain't nobody happy. We like are very tied in with feeling stressed when our child is sad or angry, or scared, or otherwise upset. It's very hard to just like remove yourself and be like, all right, they're a separate person and you know, it's fine that they're upset. But um, we know that we get stressed out. We try to do, many of us, in many situations, if we're being honest, try to do anything that can help our child gain happiness again when they're upset. You talk about the need to meditate on the assumption that we need our child 
to be happy. Mainly because, well, we like to see them happy, but also because it causes so much stress in us when they are unhappy. So what do we gain from self the self-inquiry process that begs us to let go of this need so that we can indeed be present and helpful to our child in that moment? Yeah, that's such an awesome question. Um, and I want everybody listening to consider, a, this is a paradox I'm talking about here. So it's both seemingly opposite views that are both valid. So I'm going to tell you both of them. One is, it's a wise leader parent that takes care of their child so that they're happy. So I don't want anyone listening to this to think that this is it's not what that's about. It is normal, natural human nature for us all to take care of each other, especially parents to take care of their children. And we should keep doing that. And this is not what this is about. This is about taking that to an extreme and constantly being on alert to make sure that our kids are constantly happy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is, this is on the extreme end. If you find yourself doing that, this is who I'm talking to. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so keep making your kids happy. It's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when it gets out of uh, overboard is when you start getting stressed, super stressed about it. And even even to a lesser degree, when you start being the fixer as the adult, um, to the point where they're yelling back at you, get out of my business if they're a teenager um, in your house, and they go slam the door and get on their cell phone, talk to their friend. So that's when it's an issue, right? The second paradox is we've really got to take a look at this when it comes between us and our kids and us and the kids we take care of because we want to always stay connected with them. And if we're constantly outsourcing our own peace and making our child responsible or the child we're taking care of responsible for us staying calm, then we've lost all our power. We've given away too much power to a child. Mm, And it's hard for them, right? I mean, that's a lot of responsibility. That's tough. I got to make my mother or my father happy. That's tough. Which is why they leave us, Mm. which is why they disconnect, which is why they slam their door, which is why they call their friend. They cannot handle that burden. That's way too much. So that's what this is about. It's about being so... um, centered in yourself that when your child is unhappy there's not a franticness within you where you have to like calm them down so that you can be calm Mm. you see what i'm saying Mm. Mm. yeah absolutely i think that's that's a tough thing for for a lot of people because it 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 is uncomfortable and we see and we've talked about on this podcast many times now between Jessica Leahy and Julie Lithcott-Hames and a bunch of others that are talking about overparenting and rescuing and when we you know we're so in pain when our child fails or falls or mm-hmm. you know is uncomfortable in any way that we rescue them you know mm-hmm. making it so you know as uh, William Stickrude said in on our podcast you, you actually delay brain development because you you're do. just so focused on like, well, I got to make this better for you so you're not upset and uncomfortable. And then, of course, they can't find right. the way to help self-soothe or, you know, make themselves feel more comfortable or change direction or, or whatever. We've done it for them. So it, but it is an, a challenge to watch our child unhappy. And I, I think one of the things that you talked about in your book is that when we're so focused on making them happy, we're like, we get out of ourselves in the moment and and we're not parenting for the long haul for sure. We're, we're trying to fix something instead mm-hmm. of meeting them where they are and saying, you know, I mean, it's okay to feel sad in this circumstance. It's okay to feel disappointed. Like, let's live here for a yep. moment and right. and and let's feel that. And, and then we can move forward from it. Not if you take mm-hmm. it away. You can't move forward from that. It's not even there anymore. Yes, yes. And um, if you do self-inquiry worksheets on that, on any situation where your your child has been super upset and you knew they weren't in physical danger mm-hmm, or, sure. you know, if if they're super upset because 
let's just make something up. Um, you know, they got it. They got a C on their test. They wanted to get an A. Okay, mm, sure. maybe that's it. They're super upset because they needed an A for a GPA for something. Um, and you know they're going to be okay in the long run, but maybe something happened in your young childhood where you got a C and you wanted to get an A. So it reminds you of that, and mm. so it triggers you, mm-hmm. right? So how can you be with that child when they're so upset for the same reason that you were upset and Mm. you still haven't resolved that issue within yourself? Well, the answer is you can't. Mm. Okay. Mm. You, you really have to look inside yourself and do some inquiry on your own upset about yourself. So the way you can do that is put your child's name at the top of the worksheet and say, I'm really want so-and-so to be happy. Okay. So that's your stressful thought. I want them to be happy. You don't do this while you're with your child, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do it You do it when you're by yourself at first. Um, later, you can do it in a split second when you're in the moment. But first, would you practice by yourself? So you want them to be happy in that moment, and then you go through the, all the steps of the worksheet. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you turn it around, you end up seeing, oh, I want me to be happy with my C-letter grade. Mm -hmm. I want me to be happy with her C-letter grade. Okay, how can I be happy with that? You know, and then Mm -hmm. you find it truly within yourself. So when you speak with your child about it, you're authentic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come from a place of, oh, this parenting book told me to be calm in the face of her unhappiness, so I'll try to be calm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you know, that's like another layer that that is a, a... it continues that negative karma, I'll say. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It, it doesn't make res- parents responsible, caregivers responsible for their own reactions to people. It mm-hmm. stunts your own development when you continue reacting with your child and you don't go internal and take care of it. Mm. You see what I'm saying? I do. It's kind of like one tells you to fake it till you make it and the other, you know, your idea is really to go in and be real and... <laughs> No, oh, let's just handle it, okay? Let's, yeah, let's handle the let's handle the issue. <laughs> I I'm like I have so many questions for you, and like I I, I want to make sure I get some of them in before we end. But let's go to a controversial area that you mentioned in your book. I mean, it's, I think it's controversial just in my own head. As we assess our our home, we can often be critical that it's not clean enough. Our children aren't picking up their clothes. I'm sure everybody's nodding their heads right now. They're 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 not picking up their toys. They're, our spouse isn't doing the dishes. Our you know it's not as clean as we want it to be. I love a clean house, but my house is often not as clean as I'd like it to be. I also want my children to gain the insight that having a clean space to live and work can be beneficial to health and wellness. So, how are we supposed to respond to the nagging voice in our heads that we should clean up? and make more of an effort. Um, you say we, we have to love where we live no matter what the condition, but I would imagine others would say, no, cleaning up shows respect for ourselves, our loved ones and our stuff, and I want my kids to clean up their stuff. So how do you resolve that? Right. Yes, first I wanna say I, I don't recommend in my book at all that people have to do anything. Mm-hmm. So I just wanna clear that up. I, I say do it if you want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I don't have have tos on anybody. Mm-hmm. The second thing I want to say is the chapter in the book is called Cleaning the House in Your Own Mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the way to have a clean in your perception, which everyone's different. Everyone's perception of their home is different. Uh, Everyone's definition of mess is different. If If you want to have a clean home in your mind, if you want to have a perception of a clean home in your world, then do some self-inquiry on your thoughts about your home. And in my book, I go through the example that I, I had plenty of those thoughts, especially when my kids were infants and toddlers. The house was a complete mess mm-hmm. um, because not only was it just normally messy, but I was the kind of mom that I wanted them to follow their passion all the time. <laughs> so as a result of that, there was glitter everywhere. You know, there's Play-Doh <laughs> everywhere. I can't possibly stay on top of everything like that. Mm-hmm. So when you go through... When you look internal and you truly consider your thoughts about your house and you put them on paper and you understand how you react when you go to the extreme about, you know, freaking out because the kids haven't picked up their room, you know, they should clean up their room could be your stressful thought about that. Mm. And again, this is not a moral issue. This is not like 
the house should be clean and it you know by god it will be and everybody's going to pay if not you know <laughs> it's it's to, it, when i talk about it it's not a moral issue it's a personal individual customized to your specific situation that's why the book is so great because it's customized to every single parent mm-hmm. uh, in your mind the house should be neater and you go through the process how do you react when you believe that your kids room should be cleaner well I sort of go ballistic because it's not <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and do I really want to go ballistic no that's why I'm doing a self-inquiry <laughs> worship <laughs> so let's keep going <laughs> yeah. I so see who, yes who would I be without that thought well I would be a lot calmer I think mm-hmm. you know the room can still be messy um, but without this thought I'm calmer mm-hmm. so if you're upset when you have the thought and if you're calmer when you don't have the thought then how can the room be the problem? Mm. Mm-hmm. Truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard process. That's why you're saying like, it's not like you go to the gym once and you're, you know, no. I'm fit. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta sit there and do the work and, and remove that for, you know, from yourself. And, you know, where did that, where do these thoughts come from? And, and, you know, do I really want to be the kind of parent that goes ballistic when there's something on the ground? What is it saying to you? Because so often we jump, right? We jump from the, my child left their, their pants on the floor to he doesn't respect me, my house right. or anything else in this world. And he's going to yes. go out and do the same thing at a job or at school yes. and he's going to end up in jail. And it's like goes yes. on and on with our <laughs> crazy thoughts. And so this self-inquiry process sort of stops us in our tracks and like, what does this really mean? And how about if I flip this and, and look at it from some different perspectives? Right. And it's really not about getting rid of any of these thoughts. Okay, I want everybody to be clear on that. We're not talking about excavating parts of yourself so that we bury them and never look at them again. Um, This is really about adding additional neural pathways in your Mm. brain that are from different perspectives. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is about your happiness and Mm -hmm. being a role model of a happy person Mm -hmm. (laughs) who can live with a little bit of mess or not. But either way, they are taking care of it peacefully, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then go back to that conversation outside of the moment where you're able to say, um, you know, when you are when you take your clothes off um, to go to bed at night and, and put your pajamas on, I'd really appreciate if you put the clothes in the yeah. hamper. Yeah. But you're calm and you're, you know, you're, right. you're, you're taking care of it, but not, you know, you're not going ballistic in the moment, right. you're, but you're still can- relaying it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they can hear that mm-hmm. at that moment. Well, we, when yes. you're yelling, they can't hear they you. They cannot <laughs> hear you when you're yelling. That is, I say that all the time to my kids. But honestly, I, I've been in the state of yelling as well. So, uh, you know, it's it's not like, oh, I'm all high and mighty and I don't yell. No, I absolutely do. And I'm fully aware at the exact same time that nobody can hear me while I'm yelling. Uh, you know, being a child development specialist, it gives you all this extra information, but it doesn't negate the fact that you do it at the same time. Exactly. So, so you still may have the uh, the same situation. I want to ask you about the the real buttons that push parents over the edge with their children and and bring up feelings of hurt and stress and frustration. We we kind of lived there for a little moment when we were talking about the C on the report kind. Um, let's say that two buttons that that really get parents like over the edge, like whining. At, like an entitlement, and they're often like smushed together. When our children don't show gratitude for what they have or they ask for more and more and more and more this can bring us to yell you're so ungrateful you're spoiled rotten or or when we want to hug them and they don't want to give you know they don't want to give us a hug we might feel perhaps ironically entitled Mm -hmm. to get Mm -hmm. one given all that we do (laughs) for our children like okay there's the turnaround right and how how much we we love them (laughs) well there there you go i learned quickly you say that the answer here is is approval of oneself so explain that and specifically what you would like parents to or key adults to do in that situation when they feel themselves lashing out or feeling exasperated or hurt in these situations with this entitlement issue. Yes. Yes. You hit the nail on the head as you were asking me the question. As I'm in the middle of asking you the question. Yes. That was good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, this is two chapters in my book because it's a big deal. Um, a lot of parents feel this way. I, my example in my book is 
um, I believe, when my child was really small, maybe three, and I just kept cooking, I think, toast. I was making toast, and it's not cut the right way, okay? It has to be in a triangle, Mom, not in a square. And I'm like, oh, God, okay, let me do another piece of toast. And the crust has to be off, not the crust on. Okay, let me cut the crust off. So you're literally, you know, you're going overboard and overboard and overboard trying to make the child happy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're you're feeling like, Jesus, can't they just be happy with yeah, what like I It's toast. There are people starving. <laughs> They would, I know. they would love your toast. <laughs> you're going through this whole conversation in your mind while you're trying to be present with your kid, giving him the food. So, you know, of course, you're having all these thoughts. And who, what parent doesn't, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm very candid in my book. I, just, yeah, I tell goodness. you flat out. I really appreciate I that. Yeah. Because, <laughs> so like, I'm so there. You're like, think of a moment when you feel, I'm like, yep, got it. <laughs> I know that. No moment. need to spend time. I got it. Yeah, got that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard to explain as a concept to answer your question about, you know, approval of yourself. This didn't occur to me until after I did self-inquiry on multiple times when I thought my child should be more grateful. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I came to see, and um, Byron Katie says this a lot, she's like, in, in my experience, and what I came to see after I did self-inquiry, after I did, she calls it the work, um, and she has a whole book about it, I Need Your Love, which is, I need your love, approval, and acceptance. Is it true? <laughs> well, it's not. You, you need to have your own love, approval, and acceptance of yourself if you don't want to stop, if you don't want to get upset with everybody else for not giving you that. So... You end up turning this gratitude around on yourself with your child. Um, And I was at the point of tears when I did this because I wrote a list of all the ways that I am so grateful to myself for the kind of mother that I am Mm. to my children. And I literally, I told myself I was going to write until I started crying. And I did. And it brought me to tears. And I like fell at my own feet in gratitude of all the stuff that I do for my children. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so moving and it's so good for your mind to really believe that, that you are giving all these, this love expressions of love in every second of every day, you're expressing love in one way or the other to your child. Um, and even if you work with children, you know, you're a teacher, you're a coach, you're, you're showing love to children all the time. You're doing your job, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. You really and own it. Own that gratitude for yourself. You don't require it from anyone else, mm. especially not. Again, if you Good outsource point. that, that gives them too much of a burden. Mm. Get that back. Insource it. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Really an interesting way of thinking about that, that we we tend to rely very much on, on other people to, to fill our bucket in terms of gratitude and, and understanding that we're doing what we need to do as parents. And um, sometimes I think what we do is, is we look at, we look at a situation where we, the child is, you know, asking for more and we, we just want them to be grateful. And it, it's, it triggers something in us where we, we feel like, okay, they're entitled, but also at the same time, like, I guess I never can do enough, right? Like that, the, it's like other thoughts that wind up going along with yes. it. They don't think I do enough or they don't, you know, they, they, they think I lack, maybe I lack in these, you know, different parenting areas. And then I'm not a good enough parent. I don't do enough for my children. And this is a cry for help. So, you know, mm-hmm. our thoughts. That's a great one. Yeah, I'm not good enough as a parent is a huge dam breaker. If mm-hmm. you do that a thought on a self-inquiry worksheet, you will release so many um, domains in your parenting life. I am not a good enough parent. But you do have to pick one specific situation to start with. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, mm-hmm. keep the mind on that one snapshot in time. Mm. You know, there's there's people listening to this podcast that, you know, I'm sure are doing a lot of work in their head as they're running or they're in their car, wherever they might be. And, you know, some of the things that, that they brought up for me and I think for other people would be, okay, like... I've been lashing out at such such and such time, um, or I've been, you know, I was yelling, or I was 
consequencing in a way that I'm not really comfortable with. It doesn't sound like me. And then you're carrying out sort of detrimental conversation in your head. Mm -hmm. And you have, if you're being honest, you know, you're, you're being, you're kind of disconnected and far from present when you're doing that, right? Like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden he doesn't give a crap. I don't know what's the matter with him. I'm not Mm -hmm. a good parent, like all of that stuff, inward, outward, all over the place. So Mm -hmm. let's say as you were in this situation before you, you were having a troubled relationship with your child, you felt this way and you talk about it in your book and you, you felt like you didn't understand them or accept them. You're not feeling like you understand yourself. You're not accepting yourself. I mean, all of that's happening. And if we do the work and become self-reflective, we inquire within, is there also some work that we need to do then on the outside after we do this sort of internal work that can help repair the relationship if we've, ne- like we see, we we realize we've been screaming at this child or we've been doing these things that are so outside of who we are. So are there conversations we should have or apologies we should make? Any reconnection work we need to do outwardly? And if so, what? Yeah, that's such an awesome question. Um, And it's so important to do that repair work with your children. And what I always say is it has to be authentic and from your heart Mm -hmm. when you do that repair work. It has to be genuine. It has to be sincere. It cannot be like we tell our children sometimes, say you're sorry, you know, when they're really not sorry. Okay. So after you do the self-inquiry worksheet on, I shouldn't have said that, for example. Okay, so pick a situation where you felt, you know, bad about what you said to your child, or I shouldn't have screamed, mm-hmm. whatever the situation was. Um, when you do the self-inquiry worksheet, you see that um, if you didn't believe this stressful thought that you shouldn't have screamed at them, and again, it's not a moral issue, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should scream at your child. I'm not saying you shouldn't scream at your child. I'm saying question your judgment of yourself that you shouldn't have screamed Mm -hmm. and then notice who you are with your child when you don't believe that thought. Okay. You're compassionate to yourself probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now you're getting deeper into self love and having compassion for yourself, um, giving room to your own humanness. Mm -hmm. Um, seeing that you were believing something about your child that was completely false in the moment you were believing it and in the moment that you were screaming. So you're, you're getting massive self-awareness mm-hmm. as you go through the, self, the self-inquiry worksheet. And when you're done, you're literally brought to tears at, um, or I was at least, at your own humanity. You're brought to tears at your own, um, you know, you feel like a baby, like you're you're learning this all over again, how to just be be a connected human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you you know, if you genuinely go to your child really soon after that and you share your self-inquiry process with your child, not in detail, um, you know, just the summary highlight points and don't expect them to hear you because they might be totally distracted. Um, but they're going to be interested when you say you're sorry in a genuine way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you say, I, I'm really working on this, and I'm learning it, and I'm making mistakes, and I'm really sorry. And that's a genuine, heartfelt reconnection. And that's what they care about, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, it's going to be really important to to do that. I think it's very powerful to apologize to your child, of course, when you mean it, um, and and say that you're working on something. It it's it says a lot about you know the fact that adults are not you know almighty and we know everything and we've got this all covered we're still working on things and it gives them permission to work on things themselves and there's no reason for striving for perfection here i mean nobody's perfect so i think it does a lot um and so i really appreciate that conversation at this point i'd love to get your top tip so what would you like us to know about the power of being present my top tip is to keep practicing self-inquiry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is the bottom line summary. Yeah, you got to do the work in order to get get move forward in this direction. And it's not you what do. you say. It's not, 
It's not something that you're doing hourly. It's really this internal work, which takes time. It's your mental gym, mm-hmm. as you're saying. So, mm-hmm. all right. And what's the resource of the week? Where can we get more information about you, your book, and the work you're doing? My book's called The Present Mother. It's on Amazon. It's currently got five stars, like you said. It's eighteen ninety five, I believe, right now on Amazon. And then you can go to thepresentmother.com. I have a six-month and 12-month coaching program for you to dive deeply into the self-inquiry so you can permanently shift patterns in your family dynamic, mm. which is super exciting and super empowering for um, coming on. A lot A lot more people are interested in this topic now, and I'm so excited. Right. Uh, right. And then also you can go to thework.com, Byron Katie's website, and you can download free her worksheets, Mm -hmm. which are um, my version of them are in my book. And I don't have a download on my website. So go if you want the worksheets and print them out on hers. And she has zillions of videos on there too, uh, on YouTube as to how to do the work with with yourself and with other people. Get a buddy to do the the self-inquiry worksheets with. Um, Hire a coach. Mm. Do it. Just yeah. keep going to the gym. Keep going to the mind gym. <laughs> keep going to that <laughs> mental gym. I love it. So thank you so much for your insights and your strategies on this self-inquiry process. It is super interesting and takes some practice and some commitment. I think that it, it certainly can bring us uh, closer to our children. It can make us bring us closer to ourselves. It's just reconnecting, reconnecting the mind, reconnecting your you know, neuron pathways but also reconnecting yourself between the people that you love and to your heart and to yourself. So I I really appreciate all the things you said today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Robin, for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours, so let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook, go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page, or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I'm also on Instagram at drrobinsilverman, and I'll be going back and forth with Catherine, highlighting these great quotes that she had uh, on memes. You can pass those around. I think it's important that we talk about this, um, and we'll be connecting on on Facebook, on Twitter, all over the place. So you can certainly get in on the conversation. And if you love this podcast, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn about these solutions and use them in their own homes and in their schools. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts are up there. And the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. I know this probably brought up all kinds of things in your head. And you are here and getting the information you need so you are right in the right place at the right time. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. been listening to how to talk to kids about anything with dr robin silverman for more information